Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Kenny Conversation, brought to you by JEGS, the leader in high-performance aftermarket car parts. Remember to go to JEGS.com for everything and anything you need. I'm honored today. I really am because, you know, anytime you get somebody that's done it all and they're disciplined, uh, the great and my dear friend Donnie Schatz, King Donnie, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing good today. Last weekend really uh, helped, uh, you know, it's been kind of an atrocious year and um, I guess anytime you can win a, a marquee event, but let alone multiple, it's it's been pretty crazy. So uh still feel like I'm uh can be a big factor in, in racing with the world of outlaws. So it feels good today. And um, obviously we get to get back on the racetrack tomorrow and see if we can, can keep that momentum going. So I hear in your voice and listen, Donnie, we're going to get to that in a little bit. I understand what it's like to be as good as you are, not win as much as you want, feel a little lesser. Do I still got it? But let, let's talk about that in a little bit. You know, Kenny conversation is just that we can go anywhere, but let's talk about the good times. And then we'll talk about how hard it is to stay fast every, every race. But, uh, Let's just talk about the whole Eldora weekend, but let's go with the big win. Uh, Donnie, you you win. Let me get my glasses on. I got to tell everybody, your stats, it's my job to make you feel good, buddy. Listen, King Donnie, Donnie Schatz, 45 years old, six-time winner, six. There we go, six. Six-time winner of the King's Royal, you win one more of these Kings Royal and you tie Steve Kinzer. Not just that, you are an 11-time Knoxville Nationals winner, which is the biggest race you all run. 10-time World of Outlaw champion. Now I'm just going to stop there because everybody will get tired. You've done it all. Okay. Let's talk about this race. The track conditions were insane. What was going through your mind when you said, oh, my God, they're going to go ahead and run this race, and it's been raining all day, all night? What were you thinking? Well, you know, it all starts with we all have phones. We all, we all, we all have these preconceived notions of it's going to rain because it says 80% chance of rain, but – is that 80% chance for an hour or two? I mean, we all become weather experts. So I think that kind of drugs some of the atmosphere away from what actually happened. I mean, it rained in the afternoon from three to four o'clock and it had a few pop-up showers, but the way uh, Eldora had been fast all week, it was a pretty demanding racetrack, even when we thought it slicked up and there was guys able to run around there wide open. So having got all that moisture, we knew it was going to be that sort of a racetrack and, um, I think there was 67 cars. Maybe I'm wrong there, but, um, under Kings Royal format, you all qualify against each other and the racetrack really stayed fairly well throughout the whole thing because it was fast. It was, you know, quick time was a 12, eight. Um, we drew an 81. So we were a couple cars from the end and ended up, um, qualifying 24th. So I didn't feel like that was too bad because, uh, most nights we're two to two and a half tenths off of what quick time is. It's just kind of where we've been for the last three, four months. So um, you kind of have to take that into factor 
um, you know, as to, to what goes on, because I think people play games with the format at the Kings Royal because they invert the heats and it's all about winning that heat race. Um, once you, once you get past the heat, win, qualifying doesn't mean anything. So um, yeah, it, it, believe me, Kenny, at my age, 45, I don't look forward to running around track record speeds for 40 laps, but it, you know, my guys did a phenomenal job of um, giving me a race car that was, it was easy to drive in those conditions. Uh, we just sailed right around there. And I think a lot of it had to do with being in that six heat race and winning that, that put us on the pole. And, you know, we, we had clean air virtually the whole time. We didn't have any trouble getting through traffic. Um, it was fairly choppy, but um, that's where clean air in our type of racing right now has, um, has a distinct advantage. And it was kind of that way all week long. So um, I wish we could go back and do those same things two days prior because the payday was uh, more than five or six times more than what the Kings Royal was, but it was still a really good payday. It's still one of our marquee events and has a lot of history to it. And in front of a record crowd, I think that says a lot about um, the state of dirt track racing for us. Man, I tell you what, there's three things that you just talked about. Uh, number one, even when I go to Volusia now and we think it's dry, we're super fast. You know, where where is all the grip coming from in these tracks that look dry? Uh, I noticed that. I noticed that. Uh, I go do a lot of promoters' workshops. I give motivational speeches. Uh, you know, keep the dust down, keep the dust down, keep the dust down. And I think along with that, makes grip in the racetrack. Uh, so, you know, who knows what they're doing? Are they adding any chemicals anymore? I, I don't know. Um, the other thing, you know, the elephant in the room, Donnie, uh, who can sandbag properly? Uh, I, I don't know how to sandbag. If I sandbag, I'd miss the race. Uh, you know, did David Gravels sandbag? Uh, you know, the, the big money in racing now. These are all things that we want to get to. So let's start with the first one. And now you brought these up, and I like these. Uh, what's going on, in your opinion, with tracks that look dry but got enormous grip? Well, I can't speak for any other cars other than than what we have, but um, there it's has the been same a in ours. yeah, it, it has you know there there has been a change in the tires. You know, um, mm, last fall Hoosier went tire testing and they and they wanted to make a change because they hadn't in a long time, and um, we were kind of a part of that process. Um, they they heard we were going to go testing in Charlotte, so they sent us a couple sets of tires, and um, when we ran them. Um, it wasn't per se a tire test. We were going there doing a, a, an engine test and trying to work on our car stuff. And after we did all that, we, we bolted these two sets of tires on. And I was like, wow, these things are, they're unhooked the cars. It kind of puts it back in the driver because sprint cars used to be the hardest to drive down the straightaway, not the corner. And mm -hmm. man, I'm telling you, you had to be on your game down the straightaway. You couldn't just run in the corner wide open and the car be stuck. It was you know, it was kind of, everything was all floppy and moving around. It just wouldn't stick it like it did. So I thought, man, if they do that, they're going to go back. You know, the racing's going to change drastically. But um, then when they went and did a tire test, um, you know, that wasn't the actual direction they went. They they obviously tried to make the, the product better. And um, you know what it's like when you do something different. You're damned if you do. You're damned if you don't. Um, and, and I think 
what we got going on is, is we actually have the car stuck harder right now because we have um, the right rears are actually stuck harder on the car than they were previous and the left rears aren't. And so a lot of racetracks we've seen this year where we're dragging the left rears through and just, you know, people don't lift anymore. We don't, the, the paces are so torrid. Um, there's so much on the line. It's so competitive. Everybody's got good stuff that we're dragging these tires through and we create our own rubber um, just from dragging left rear tires. And we've seen it for a good month or a month and a half there. And, and, People are doing, they know they got to do things to these racetracks to keep them speeded up and um, try to keep them from doing that. So that's where I think you're seeing a lot of that. No one wants to watch a rubber race, but I don't think anyone wants to watch a a hammer down race either. So uh, the most thankless job in this entire industry and this entire sport is track prep, track maintenance, promoting. It's not, uh, I've been there and done it. It's, it's not as easy as everyone says. I mean, you go to places that, that I think when they do water, it makes it sandier and dustier, but the fans don't really understand that side of it because they're not at racetracks every day. So the promoter does what the fans want and that's great. They're the, they're what makes the world go round. So sometimes I think we we're caught in that crossfire, whether it's, do we have a great show or do we just keep the dirt down? Um, but as long as we got people in the stands, I think that's what's most important. Yeah. So we're going to try as hard as we can to stay on that you won the King's Royal. You're the King, King Donnie. But you talk so well, that reminds me of this. Uh, Something that I've been saying for about a year is uh, my big brother, Rusty. I love Rusty. He's smart. He's a winner. Rusty says, Herman, it's, it's sad to say, but you have to remind people because if you don't, they remember what they want to. So I do want to remind everybody that your dad, a great man he was, invited me up to Fargo. And you and your dad promoted a race at the Fargo racetrack. USMTS modified race. And Donnie, I'm bragging on you right now. Your, your family taught you well because when I went to that race, you were already great. But what I witnessed was you, your father, I don't know where your sister was or what was up, but you were in there icing beer down. You were running the event. That was your job. Where, where did this work ethic come from? Because I'm sitting and I'm looking, damn, Donnie Schatz, icing beer down, working behind the counters. Is well, that what your family is all about? Absolutely. That's how we were raised. Um, obviously, we're in the truck stop business. And, you know, that's where I'm at right now. That's where my office is at. I got, I, I was able to take my father's office after he passed. But, you know, racing something. Sorry about that, we, that, Donnie. I loved your dad. Great man. <laughs> Thanks, Kenny. Um, you know, racing something that that we've since I was old enough to do it. That's what we all enjoyed. You know, our my entire family. So when we had the Red River Valley Speedway, you know, you just you had to do your part. Um, people don't volunteer at racetracks anymore. It's all, you, you know, how it works. It's just like a, any other job or any other industry. And I guess racing's just something that we took as next level and and we we were able to have a lot of great people that were a part of it and a lot of them work for us right here today and come from that racing background so you do what you got to do um i don't think there's anyone in my family that'll tell you well i'm not going to do that that's not part of my job description there is no job description it's whatever it takes and especially when it comes to racing there was no punches pulled so you know it's um it, it was an honor to do it 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 was something that also because we had 
four members of our family that were passionate about racing and we're all worked together in business when we put it in the race and it got to be a little bit too much because my father had an idea one way I had an idea the other and then you take in two females my mom and my sister oh boy it got to be a challenge so men are I can from honestly Mars tell you women are from Venus yeah when we uh <laughs> when it, it wasn't a sad day when when we couldn't do it anymore because it allowed um you know us to still race and do what we love to do but yet step away from having racing as a business side and, and promoting because like I said sometimes it doesn't matter what it is. Sometimes the your biggest supporters can also be your biggest critics when you have a racetrack. And uh, believe me, I enjoyed it. It was a good life lesson, but I don't know that it's a career path for me or, or anyone in my family. Donnie, the world of dirt racing has wonderful, wonderful race fans. They love it. But they all go to work on Monday. Most of them do. As, as I look at you right now, I'm doing what any dirt racing fan would do. I'm looking at your files in the background. I'm looking at your folders. So I know you, but I'd like for you to give a glimpse of your lifestyle to everybody else. I admire you because I tell everybody, I said, listen, you know, we interviewed, you know, the big cat, Brad Sweet, and he said, there's only about three or four of you that really make a good living. Seven do you know, that try to make a living. But Donnie, look, look at you right now. You're, you're at the truck stop. You're a businessman. Fly your own plane. But I know dirt racing is a passion of yours. Can you paint, at they, as they say on AM radio, paint, paint the picture right now. Where are you at? What, besides racing, what do you do for a living? Tell me about this truck stop business. Well, Kenny, it all starts back to, you know, when I was younger, um, out of high school is when I started with the World of Outlaws. And, you know, college wasn't a path for me. All I cared about was racing. I was going to race with the World of Outlaws and be a bum if that's what it took. It, it Nothing else resonated. And my father, <laughs> always, that. my father always instilled in me, you know, you need to think about this here a minute. You need to have, what if you get hurt? I'm not going to get hurt. You know, you, you know, the, the older generation always has – thinks ahead they think for you and I, I didn't none of that mattered like I said I would have run away from home to do it and I'm glad that you know it took me some period of time you know I, I probably 10 years after I started before I started to sink in like hey I'm here I'm no good what am I gonna do I, you know I had a great support system but yet at some point you want to stand on your own two feet um just like your, your, your family has and create something for yourself. And my father and I, you know, we started getting it. We've got partners in the car wash business and um, in 2004. So it was seven years after I started and I was, you know, went, went to the bank and borrowed money to, to start the wash. And my father and me became partners and just kind of seen how it all worked. And from a different perspective, even though my focus was hundred percent racing for my entire life. But when you, then I could tell you, well, I'm going to race till I'm 70 years old. Well, I think we all know that's not realistic in our environment or any environment. So as it started to, you start to get involved in those things, you realize, hey, this is really um, a smart plan because what if I do get hurt? What if something happens? What if I'm not good enough? There's, there's a lot of what ifs that you really don't even want to ask yourself, but you should. And so I started down that path and, and, 
know, my father was very diverse, involved in a lot of things, not just the truck stop business, but he wanted to own his own properties and he'd, he'd meet people that uh, would be like, hey, I need a building. He'd say, yeah, I'll build you a building. I'll rent it to you. So we started into, you know, commercial real estate and rental properties and all these things. And um, and it's done very well for him. It's it's the things that it allowed me to get started in racing and we have our own team and, and get us to the point where we were able to, you know, hey, we got this opportunity to go racing with Tony Stewart and not have to be on the ownership side so we can focus on our business and still go race at the highest levels that we want. It was like a, a no brainer win-win situation. And when that happened, it allowed me to be home more, um, focus less on trying to manage a race team and, and people um, who don't want to be in North Dakota. You know, North Dakota is my home. It's where I, I was born. It's where I'm going to die. Way up um, there. Yeah, it is. But home's home. And you know, that's so, um, you know, I don't sit here and, and grind every day uh, from nine to five. Um, but part of it is being here. Um, we have several properties to manage, not just here, but in Minot where we grew up. And, um, you know, that was what my father um, took care of all those things. It's whether it's maintenance in the parking lot every spring from snow melt or just wear and tear. Um, when you have, you know, two truck stops that are 40 acres in size each and and traffic going in and out of here every day. There's things that, that it, just to keep up on it don't matter whether it's a, a water retention pond that's starting to slough on the walls or, or you got culverts out or there's always something that needs to be fixed. And that's something that, you know, my father took care of all those things. And, and then things kind of come back to me, not just here, but uh, in Minot and uh, at all our properties too. And we still continue to build um, things, even, even a little more diverse. The, the latest, the latest builds have been, uh, basketball academies, you know, both my sisters have kids involved in basketball. So we have a basketball academy at each place and, and some of the awesomest facilities in the country. So um, we always enjoy those things, but there's not just one single thing that I do. Um, you know, I enjoy, enjoy being here and, um, you know, I have something that'll keep me busy seven days a week. Should I not race anymore, but racing's still, still me. It's still what I want to do. And uh, thankfully, thanks to Saturday, I think it kind of creates a, a narrative that a lot of people have kind of said, Hey, you know, I think you're probably getting to the point where you should probably step away, but I'm, I'm not there yet. I'm, you no. know, I might be older. Um, but sometimes I might not push the issue as hard as I need to. If I'm running 16th, I'm not going to tear a car up. Um, but you know, that's just the way it goes. So, um, there's a lot of aspects of life that, that but I enjoy all of them. I kind of feel like right now, um, it seems like the more I have to do, the more on my plate, uh, the easier it makes everything um, because you make a decision uh, right or wrong. Uh, actions have consequences. If you made a wrong one, you live with it. If you made a right one, you live with it. There's just It's just the way it works. So I'm in a really good spot. I enjoy what I do. So we call this Kenny conversation because that means I get to talk too. So I, I've got to say – that uh, I admire you immensely. Uh, what I'm going to say right now could could be considered. Oh, he Kenny Wallace is corny. Uh, he, he, but but listen, Donnie, and, and I'm going to say this because a lot of people watch this show. I want all my dirt racing friends. I want Gordy Gundaker. I want Nick Hoffman. I want all the sprint car racers. I'm going to tell Charlie Marlowe, our YouTube manager, to edit this piece that you just said. You are the epitome of teaching these dirt racers 
what life is all about. Uh, you, you got truck washes, you got truck stops, you got real estate, you got baseball or basketball academies. And, and this makes it to where you you have a freer mind. You can go racing. You're a great pilot. You own your own jet. Um, you, you are what I want to be. Uh, I had real estate and I can promise you that I made money in NASCAR. I had a lot of rental homes. I sold everything to David Reagan. I cashed out. I put it in the stock market. I'm kicking ass financially too. And I preach this to these, I call dirt daubers. My dear friends, I love them so much. Wearing the cargo shorts. And like you said, you would have become a bum if that's what you could do to stay dirt racing. I'll be a bum. I'll be a bum as long as I can just smell like ass and be, be at a dirt track. But then you get older and you become 60 years old and you're like, okay, I'm done racing and I still got to live. Donnie, I admire you. I just wanted to get that out of my system. I know everybody has heard this part. This is an education for all dirt racers. Money's got to come from somewhere. It don't grow on trees. And, and, and Donnie, just that's one. I like you, too, because you're good to me. Uh, you're always nice to me. But, buddy, you got it going on. And, and that's part of my conversation. I wanted to get that out. One reason I wanted to interview you, because I knew all this about you. You, you want to talk about racing now? Yeah, I enjoy that. <laughs> I, mean, I, I enjoy that. I, I'm not going to lie. I've, I've had a great career. I've, I've made a lot of money. You kick racing. ass, buddy. You kick a lot total of the ass. Things, a lot of the things that, that, that I'm able to do don't come from being around racing. It, it, you know, right. I, don't have an air, I don't have an airplane because of what I make racing. There's There's no question about that. So. I guess, you know, and there's some people that don't like it. That's fine. I had That's a, just the I way had the world turns. I had a King Air 200 yeah. for years, buddy. I'm a, you're my brother. I'm with you. Yeah. But it, it, that's right. Okay. And, and now I got to think about the next generation. I got two nieces that, that want to race. In fact, I got one that just left here two minutes ago on her way to go race the sprint car tonight in Rock Rapids, Iowa. It's a 305. So, uh, and I got one that wants to, to late model race. So, man. I think you can tell that's going to become an expensive <laughs> proposition for me to keep two females racing uh, if that's what they choose to do. I hope not. But right now they're having fun. They're 15 years old and um, it's enjoyable to see them. You know, the hard path for them is, is they see like a lot of other people that I'm surrounded by, they see the success, but they didn't see the path. They didn't see the timeline. They so now they're standing there, with one, of white standing, car. one of them standing in victory lane with me at King's Royal. And I think she thinks, man, it'd be great to be here. But I don't think they really understand totally um, the entire path. It does not happen easy. It does not happen quickly. Um, and it may never happen. You know, that's an unfortunate part because there's a lot of people that are never going to have them opportunities to stand on those stages and get to that level. But to some people, it doesn't matter. They just want to race. And that's where we're in one of them in industries and sports where that's, if you're okay with that, that's great. And, and I think you have to have that attitude that you may never get there. Um, I've raced against a lot of great people, grew up racing with a lot of great people that are, they're good with that to this day, but they still had great careers. So um, it's, it's a pretty humbling position. I want to talk about your God-given talent. I talked to your boss about this, Tony Stewart. He was the first person on Kenny conversation. So 
I want to draw attention to something that I see you do, and I want you to comment on it. So when the track gets extremely dry, and I saw you do this at the World Finals a lot, I'm a student of the sport, and I watch you. You have a talent that other drivers don't have. You're able to keep your car tracking straight on real wide corners. You don't go in there. You don't get it sideways. You don't hang it on the right rear. Hang, hang, hang. Lose forward bite. Your ability. That you play the be- a beautiful piano. Your right foot. Your braking. Your eyes. Your hands. What is it that you think? I know it's. I know it's a God given talent. What is it that you do? You know that rises you above the rest when these tracks become extremely dry and you're able to track right through the middle, right through the slick. Can you, you do you know what you do? You know, I don't think that it's a God-given talent, Kenny. I think it's something that you acquire and it's something you learn. It comes back to, you know, when I was younger, I wasn't like that. I mean, you uh, talk to people where I grew up racing at Houston's and they'll tell you, um, I was good for two right rear wheels a week, one in the heat race and one in the feature in the fence. And I was good for a wing a night. I mean, I was tearing stuff up and bouncing off stuff. But when it was fast or when the track was fast and wet, I was just wide open, hammer down like what you see nowadays. And I tore up a lot of stuff. And I went to uh, my very first PRI in Columbus, Ohio. That's how long ago this was. And I was with some guys that had taken me because uh, my, my father couldn't go. So I was kind of like had babysitters, basically. <laughs> and um, we were in the hotel lobby of a hotel with a guy that I raced with up here. And there was a lot of, I mean, back then to me, everybody was a superhero. Um, anybody who watched on TV was, was an incredible. I run into all these people and I got introduced to the Hoosier people from this person. And um, he's, his, his, the way he introduced me is, yeah, this is Donnie Shots. He's really good till it gets slick and then. He's that hurt trouble. your feelings. It didn't hurt my feelings. It it was a motivator. It was it was an eye opener. And and I sat down and thought about it. And I think I, I think I laid in bed for six months thinking about it. And I thought, you know what? He's right. These races that pay the money, Run, or they're not the hammered down wide open. Um, they when you have races, all the races that pay big money are all in the summer, all in the heat, and and they're all slick. So if you don't learn how to race in the slick, um you're probably not going to ever win any, any marquee events or, or anything, any money. So we started to, to work around on stuff. I've, I've always raced with great people. I've had great crew chiefs all the way through my whole career. And I realized after having a couple of these guys, I'm like, huh, I've got some of the best guys here and um, I have the same result. So clearly we know what the problem is. It's me. So you back yourself up to try to just start doing things. Um, yeah, you got to start figuring out how to get the car underneath you. You got to figure out how to drive it a different way. And I think when you're able to race a hundred times a year, like we do with the World of Outlaws, that's like a hundred test sessions. Because I wasn't capable of winning championships, so we just turned it into test mode. Mm, and for me, and I just kept doing different things that were uncomfortable until I got to a point where something worked. And once you get that feel figured out and what it takes to get there, that's what you strive for every night. I still strive for that feel, even though once you get it, um, it's very hard to get, but sometimes you, you know, you can still get there and 
you know, obviously we didn't have that scenario on Saturday night. That was probably one of the most demanding 40-lap races I've ever been a part of and choppy and rough, but still, um, there's still some of that same, uh, the same things you do in the slick, like at Charlotte and the slick. at you, can, you had to keep it straight. You got to keep it straight. And, and that's what a lot of it is. It's so it's, it's a fine line. It's like a double-edged sword. And I think if you ask some of the people that I've raced with, uh, Rick Warner, any of the, any of the crew chiefs that have been with you, will tell you when, when you race with someone like that, their job is like them being on a double-edged sword. Like you're living on a razor blade. You're, you know, you're trying to find that fine line. And if you're not on that fine line and good, you're completely terrible. So it's, it's just the nature of the beast and uh, it makes it tough for those guys, but you know, they've, they've all done very well. And, and my guys today are, are doing a great job. It's if you ask scuba, you know, the last couple of years, we're trying to get somewhere that some days you just can't get to, but that's, that's what you strive for. So when I race, I call them idiosyncrasies, things you just don't, talk about because you're like, I don't know if anybody else does this, but you know, you know, whether I race NASCAR or Xfinity series or a super late model, or now I'm in these mods, you and I have raced a lot of everything. Would, would you say that you got some idiosyncrasies that you just don't talk about because it's not worth talking about inside that car that make your car do some things you want it to do? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, not really, I guess. I think there's times I, um, maybe of the fact that you, you know, you, you're, you're, everybody talks about being comfortable in the car. Um, I think comfortable in the car comes from a physical standpoint. You know, we know we're safe. We know we have all these things in these cars. Um, but it's kind of like when I started racing, when, when these cars went around there fast, we didn't have all these head supports. So a big thing was being able to run a whole race and hold your head up. Guys had straps. <laughs> Today's environment doesn't have that. You know, some of these guys that are a buck 25 soaking wet, they got to lay their head on the pillow and just go <laughs> like this. That's, that's kind of, that's, that's, that's exactly what it feels like. I'd, I'd love nothing more than, you know, come Saturday night to say, hey, you know, let's take the head surrounds off these things and let's see who can make 10 laps and hold their head up. I know I can because – we grew up doing that. Steve Kinzer was the same way. That's why all of us have necks that uh, when we go to the doctor, they say, hey, you need to take the sleep apnea test. I'm like, I promise you, it's solid muscle. I don't have to sleep. <laughs> um, you know, I don't know that you can have idiosyncrasies when things change like that. You know, the, the, the sport's evolving. You know, we all wear head and neck restraint, all these all these things that, that are a part of what it is. So, um, and when you race that much, I, I don't – I don't think I do, but um, maybe an outside source would tell you I do in some way, shape, or form. You brought up Steve Kinzer. Let, let's let's go at that. Let's address it quickly. So you're you're quickly closing in. Uh, you know, sometimes people get sad. You know, don't don't break Babe Ruth's record. Uh, don't don't become an eight-time Cup champion. Don't you dare be better than Richard Petty. Uh, you're, my friend, uh, listen, I love Steve Kinzer too. He's the king. We all know that. As do I. Just your thoughts. I want your, your thoughts. I'm not, on the you know, Kenny, uh, it's never something that ever I ever dreamt about. I dreamed about winning. <laughs> I, I dreamed about winning. I, I dreamed about winning a world of outlaw race. I won a world of outlaw race. And then I won a second one. 
And then I won another one. I dreamed about winning the Knoxville Nationals. I've dreamed about winning a, a Kings Royal, a National Open, a championship, all those things. And they kept going. And I'm very, very blessed for that. Very, uh, very fortunate for that. But there's no one that's ever going to touch the ability of what Steve did, nor would you even compare anyone to him. He's won 600 races. He's forgot about more wins than I've ever won. Uh, his championships, yeah, I've been able to get to not equal him, but get near him on, on, on a big stage at the Kings Royal, the Knoxville Nationals. Um, at, at the Williams Grove National Open, we've managed to get ahead of him. But it's, but it's, not, it's not about that. It's um, if we could have him in today's environment, if we could have him racing, um, the young guys uh, of today, it would make so much, so many more of them so much better. I just feel lucky. I feel like some of him was able to teach me things and, and rub off on me because that's what you look at. Um, you know, when you race against guys like him, you learn things from him. And it's not from beating him. It's from getting beat by him. And we all got beat by him for the longest time. Um, you know, like I said, I'm fortunate for that. I wish he was still around, but um, he's not. He, there was a there was a day coming. I, I actually got to call him a teammate at the end of his career, and that was that was really neat because uh, I know what it's like to have people come along and and they rival you. Not that someone stages it, but because it just happens. And Stephen at Steve and I had that. Like I was winning races, and he was wanting to win races, and we became teammates. And and even though we had utmost respect for each other. It was trying to beat each other, literally. And, and I think that both that excelled both of us. So, um, like I said, I'm fortunate to have raced against him. And uh, I hope that maybe the things that I was taught from him and, and the things people see are things that maybe the younger generation today is able to get from me. So, um, you know, I, I know back in those days, it was a different level of respect when you raced. Uh, if you went and ran over him, I can assure you the conversation was up in front of the truck and no one had a camera phone catching it. And then the next day you were having to explain why you had a black eye or why you had a puffy cheek. We don't have those times anymore. And, you know, I guess that's, you had to dot your I's and cross your T's and, and you raced a certain way. And um, that day's no longer, but, it is what it is. So, like I said, I'm just I'm just uh, honored to have been able to learn from him and have him in the sport. And he has set the goalposts, and there's no one ever going to move those goalposts. There's no one ever even going to get close to those goalposts. So, what we have done, I'm pretty honored about. That is that is emotionally awesome to hear. I agree with you. Let's just touch on the world of outlaw, the legend, the the legendary world of outlaws. You know, Wolfgang, Wolfie, um, Opperman. I mean. These names, you know, I can go on and on. Uh, you know, one of my best friends in life lives 30 minutes from me is Kenny Schrader. Uh, when me and Schrader would drink beer and I wouldn't know who the person is because Kenny Schrader knows I'm an asphalt dude. But, you know, I've been running dirt now for about 17 years. Well, somebody would come up and it'd be an older gentleman. Schrader would give me a shortcut. After he'd get done drinking his beer, he'd point, he'd say, hero, hero. Whether it's Bobby Marshall, you know, the, the late Bobby Marshall, the original world of outlaws. So my, my question to you is, is uh, 
the original world of outlaws versus the Pennsylvania posse, that whole, that whole thing there, have we lost it or is it still around? It's still around. I think it's still, still the best race. And, uh, but if you look back and you, if you knew Ted Johnson and you knew how he did things, uh, was there a little bit of smoke and mirrors? Maybe. Ted but Johnson, smoking, the owner, the original World yeah, the original man. The, the thing was, is he had he had Steve Kinzer, he had Sammy Swindell, he had all the greats. But if there was a night where some, Steve Kinzer blew a motor in the dash and it looked like he was going to have a hard time getting out for the feature, the fans didn't want to not have a race with Steve Kinzer in it. So miraculously, the lights went out. I love this. And, <laughs> and, 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 and that happened this. many times. But it, you got to understand it. That's that's part of the entertainment side. I think in today's environment, um, it's kind of like when you watch the the Chili Bowl, when you, you talk about entertainment. And I'm not knocking the Chili Bowl by, by any means, but they say, if you're going to fight, let's do it on the racetrack so we can put it on TV and let people watch. Well, what are we watching this for? We're watching it for racing. Yeah. So I don't condone uh, promote and fighting. And I think sometimes the entertainment side gets a little like, you know, they, they neglect if the racing side. And I think that's something that Ted Johnson definitely was the biggest race fan. And when he left the track every night, he wanted to say, damn, that was awesome. He didn't care if it was Steve Warner lost, but the fans got a great show, whether he started in the back, started wherever that was his product. His product was real and it wasn't like WWE staged. We get into some of that nowadays. We want the perfect storyline. We want these things. And I'm not saying it's fixed, but there's a lot of things that you have to ask questions. How did the stars line up on this one? Not just today, but tomorrow and the day before. So it's um, it's kind of odd how that it's changed. And, and um, you know, you just have to deal with it. But I still have that uh, look back. And I think about Ted all the time and how he did things. What would Ted do? What would Ted do? And we all know what Ted Ted would do, and it was he was ultimately the biggest race fan. And if it meant go out there and redo the track to put on a great show, you do it. You do whatever it takes. So I, I do this to everybody. I, I, I got all these notes because I, I admire you, but and I haven't got the one of them. That's how fun this is for me. So you bring up a good point. As an asphalt racer, if you have a flat tire, that means you, you're unlucky and you're out, or, you know, we're going green flag. One thing that I noticed and that I do admire, I like this, is that all of you with the World of Outlaws, you're, you're on the road all year long. It's like, it's like hey, I'm, I'm going from track to track. Give me a break. The World of Outlaws, you have a flat tire. They throw the caution, and it's like, let him get his tire changed and let him start in the back because – this is the world of outlaws. They all want to see. We've seen you guys come from the back to the front. Just your your thoughts on something that I didn't grow up with, but I see, I know why they do it, I admire. So my question is, flat tire, caution comes out, you change it, race starts over. That's the way you all do it. It's just the way they've always done it. They want to get you back out. I mean, when you race 85 nights a year, it's, it's, it'd be a slap in the face to travel the country coast to coast twice and, and, you know, leave you sit some night because you, you don't have a flat tire, but I can tell you it would make guys race a whole lot different. Um, but then there comes in that factor of 
you know, local guys versus outlaw guys. Mm. Um, you know, that, that's been a, a, a huge thing forever. Do they do it for everybody or do we just do, do it for the Do they give a local guy guys? a break? I've never What's noticed that? that. No, but I'm saying that the reason they do it is, is for points chasers. And when you come, a local guy comes to your race, he's not really chasing points. He's just there for that night trying to do, you know, win, win a race or, or have a respectable finish. So, um, you know, it, it is what it is. It's always been that way. And I guess I don't have a problem with it. They, they, they don't allow you to do it after halfway. They don't wait for you. So mm. it could come into a factor for a championship at some point. I don't know that it has realistically, but you know, the fans come to see a race, um, let them race, you know, it's, but then if it if it drags a show out some night where we got a two hour feature because 40 guys have changed tires twice, you know, it gets to be a, a little bit of a hiccup, too. But yeah. uh, I, I like to not be on the side of those making those rules or or being a part of that. But they've they've just done that forever. Yeah, well, that's good stuff. All right. We got to get back to Eldora. We're, we're 42 minutes into this and we haven't even talked about you being King Donnie. Hundred hundred and seventy five thousand dollars. You're going to get half. Uh, we've already debullshitted this with a lot of people. I, I don't know what you're going to get. Doesn't matter. People are amazed with money, Donnie. Money is so famous now. Money, oh, money, oh money! Million dollars to win Logan Shuart. Um, you know, uh, Davenport, Superman, and the late models. Million dollars to win. Uh, all of you out at Houston's two hundred quarter of a million, quarter of a million dollars to win. Money. When and what is going on? I love it. I think it's awesome, but I want to hear your opinion. What's going on in the sport? It's everywhere now. Everything's 50,000 to win. And I mean, over the last two years, what made this change? Where's all the money coming from now? It's competition. Um, It's competitions among different series. You know, you got the all-stars are out there. You got the world of outlaws. You got Kyle Larson and Brad's new high limits things. That's, one has to keep up with the other. I mean, it's just like you look at late model racing. They all have – they have two premier series that race against each other, so they have all these high-dollar paydays uh, quite often. It's one trying to outdo the other. It's one trying to compete against the other. It's just like what we do every day, day in and out, compete against another person. So um, I think it's great to see. Um, I'm not, not sure that we'll see a million-to-win show again, but um, I look at that and just – I mean, believe you me, I, I'm not, I'd never throw a rock at – doing it but it's like man if that was my racetrack i think i'd be nervous as i'll get out because if you look at the money that was paid out last week there was over two million dollars paid out at eldora last week and and that's absolutely insane i'm sure it takes all his big shows to be able to do that one week so it really is um tony's kind side saying i want to give back to dirt racing for giving to me for supporting me and, and his fans and all that stuff but the paydays that are out there are, are uh, they're getting up there and they're incredible. But I kind of look at it like this, Kenny. When I was looking the other night, we did an autograph session up at the barn. Someone said, someone's going to win a million dollars. I said, look down there in that infield. Look down there. Guy goes, yeah. What about it? I said, there's over $150 million worth of equipment sitting in there. So is racing for a million dollars really look that grand? No. It becomes and that's relative, just the, right? That's that's the business side of it. That look at the money that it takes to to be able to do that. So, 
when the monies get up there, it's warranted. I mean, you know how much everything costs. Everything's gone through the roof with everything over and over and over. So um, it, it's warranted, but then there's only one guy that gets it. And, and, and you know, I guess um, we didn't get in on the million, but that's, that's just the way it works. That's the way racing is. Um, you don't, you don't cry over spilled milk. Um, I, I feel I pretty good that. right now that we were able to leave Eldora with, with the second largest payday uh, of the weekend and, and the, of the year. So that's a, that's a pretty decent thing. So um, we'll, we'll make the best of it. And hopefully that, that money stays there. But I think a lot of it's driven from competition. It's, it, you got series competing against each other and there's nothing wrong with competition. That's what they want us to do on the racetrack every day is compete and put on the best show. Well, if that's what puts on the best show on the racetrack, then off the racetrack having competition is good too. Yeah, I, I, I like everything you said there. Um, what caught my ear, what you said is don't look, don't maybe don't look at more million dollar to win shows. Do you think that was rare? Do you think we'll see more million dollar to win shows next I don't, year? I don't think we will. I think it'll be several years before we do, but I could be wrong. I don't, you know, I don't, we don't, Tony and I don't speak about those things when our, we're together. Our time is limited and, um, lately it's, I've been getting up, up to speed on what drag racing is all about. So, um, because, because they had, because they had a late model race at a million, I think it was only justified. They did a sprint car race. So you don't have that politically correct, not politically correct next scenario. And, um, but I don't think we'll have one next year if we do well, <laughs> kudos to him for figuring out a way to do it. But, um, I don't think it'll be for several years again. Okay, this is like a movie. Let's let's go back to the start. So when you won the King's Royal, uh, you said in your your interview after the race that, you know, it's been a tough year on me. Uh, we haven't been running the way I want to. You said we went upstairs. I don't know if that means in your truck or trailer. 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 And you, you went after a, an old school setup. And you went through the holes. You went through the mud. And you shot straight the whole way through the corners. You weren't out of control. You have great driving ability. What did you mean by that when you went back old school? Well, through the, the development of the Ford Ford Motor Program, you know, you make changes as you go as to, to what evolves. And from when it started, which was really good, we've just made some changes and, and had some direction that obviously we didn't go the right way. And and. I haven't been able to get anything to accelerate for the last couple of months. And I, in the, in the summer heat, it's gotten worse. And so we've had a, a car and a motor upstairs in the trailer that we've hauled around the last three years. That's some of the older stuff that um, was more original that um, it just, just for a spare car. If we, we tear a car up one night, we pull it down and run it. We put it back up there and build a new one after that. And after running through three or four motors, the first three nights, Scuba said, you know what? I, man, I'm out of options here. I don't know what to do. I guess we pull the upstairs car down and see if the old one runs. And uh, I think the engine builder actually told him, he's like, you guys won't even make the show with that thing. Well, you've seen what happens. So it's just the, the direction that we went. Um, it's, it's hard to run 85 nights a year, Kenny, in different tracks and sizes and airs and all these things. And then feel like you got, you got to be an engineer on two and, 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 make the decision as to what we're going to do direction wise. And so we just kind of went back to old school where it all started. And obviously we since won that race kind of revisited that direction as to what we're going to do going forward. So 
I'm just glad we, we were able to do that and have something happen. And, and cause that thing run, it ran really good. And, uh, and the have car the nerve really to good. do that. Yeah. But at that point, Kenny, we were, you know, we ran seventh the first two nights there. We ran 16th the third night, but that wasn't anything to do with other than us just trying something completely silly that went the wrong way. So after that, um, and that's what you do. I called it a Hail Mary and that's, that's basically what it was. And so the Hail Mary uh, won us the Kings Royal, but it's also given us a new direction as to what we need to do to try to get ourselves more competitive and more consistent day in, day out. So I'm going to say something and maybe I'm wrong. Let's say I'm wrong, but I'm going to say it and then you respond to it. In the world of outlaws with, with the wings, you need massive amount of torque in a heat race. It's wet. You qualify, you line up, you drop the green flag and whatever you're going to get most likely is going to be through turns one and two at the start of the race. And then after that, you follow the leader and then you got to wait for the A main for everything to dry out to start passing. You're telling me that you went, you went, you went back upstairs, got this motor. Uh, So out of everything I just said there, you know, can you shed light on, am I wrong or what's up? No, we just took out the whole car. It was the spare oh, the car. the whole damn car. <laughs> we just took the whole car out. It was it was a brand new car. Don't get me wrong. It wasn't, it was, but that was our spare car. It was a brand new car and it had the, that that older motor in it. And, and I thought it was two years old, but it was really three years is what the configuration was. It Breaking was news. Some, something <laughs> back from, you know, when Andy still did the motors. Um, so Did it have more it, torque? You know, I don't know what the torque numbers were, Kenny. All I can tell you is what I feel on my foot when I move the pedal both right. directions. And and I, I think what caught us off was, was we were trying to work on, you know, Fords have a ton of power, a, a lot of power. And mm. we were trying to corral some of that at the end of the straightaway where we were having trouble and we lost focus on we still got to get there. Um, they, they always had a little problem getting going. And, and we, we needed to work on that too as well as try to get them under control. So – we just obviously made changes to the not the right direction and we pulled that motor out and it was kind of a reset uh, for everybody to be able to say, Hey, obviously in these conditions at that racetrack, the way the summer air is, that's what we need to do. And and believe me, there's a lot of things different about that, but um, it's, that's just live and learn. You know, we, when you're part of a program like that, that's part of the give and take. And there's, believe me, there's been a lot of give and it feels like not enough takes some days, but, Hey, it is what it is. We were, we snuck away from Knoxville with a win last year. We got a Kings Royal win. Hopefully we can take something from both of those and try to put together uh, what we need to be more consistent so we can get back to racing for a championship every night. I went through this exact situation with my Toyota motors. I was with them for seven years. I had so much power, but I could never feel it exiting. It was all at the start finish line, blew my tires off. I'm like, I, I, get me back there to the middle of the corner. You yeah. know, I don't, I don't care about that high number. racing. We got to get going. Yeah. yeah. Give me some torch. So we got that done. Well, Donnie, we're, we're at 52 minutes already. Uh, let me ask a fun question here. What is it like? We, we don't see very many sports where when you win the Kings Royal, they put that cape on you. They, they put that hat on you. What's it, what's it feel like when they do that? You know, Kenny, the first time I did it, I was, you'd watched it happen. So when it happens to you, you, um, 
you're pretty and all you're like man i got all these people watching i'm not sure what i'm <laughs> supposed to do they make you feel a little silly putting a crown on but you know everyone wants to stand there and do that i was honestly i was just in awe you know i've won that race before but standing there being able to do it it's just like man i I just in awe because our performance, I didn't feel like leading up to that was warranted for being able to sit on that throne, wear that cape and take that crown and uh, be able to win that race. But all it takes is, is, is a hard reset like that to, to get in that position. So it's, it it really kind of mixes, messes with your emotions as to the night before I was 16th racing for 16th. And tonight I'm just won the Kings Royal that's what's in the back of your mind. It's not instantly celebrating, uh, go hog wild, you know, uh, and then you're sitting there thinking, I was thinking, you know, man, what do we got to do to make sure we're get that thing for Wednesday and Friday and Saturday, obviously that, you know, you're thinking about what it takes to, to what got you there and make sure we can incorporate that because, uh, you only get a couple minutes after the race is over really to think all about the, all what, of this right away was doing or this or that. And then it's time to celebrate and, and do all the formalities. And um, sometimes it's hard to struggle those emotions. You try to, it's not like your phone, you can pull your phone out and start taking notes as to what you're thinking right then and there. You got to keep them in your mind. And um, I've been hit a few too many times to keep all that stuff in my mind. So, um, you know, it was pretty surreal, really. It's uh, pretty awesome to be in that position. Well, when it, that, that's warranted because you, you see Logan Shuhart, who won the million dollars, he missed the race. He did not qualify. Track conditions. Brad Sweet uh, missed the race. He says, he, Brad Sweet said, I don't remember the last time I missed an A-Main. So I, I understand why you would think that way. It's very humbling. Don, but, Donnie, uh, you're still the man. Uh, you're 45 years young, uh, not old. Uh, you, you've reminded everybody, uh, you know, you get what you need. And, and we know, like you said, the sport's very competitive. It's not like we go winning. That's not what we call it. So you're still the man. With that being said, we know that Knoxville is the number one most prideful race for you all. And then we know Eldora's second. I'm still confused on what is third. I don't know. In your opinion, what is what is the third event that you all consider the one? I think it used to be the Lernerville Silver Cup. It used to have a, you know, uh, when I started racing. Yeah, Lernerville used to be. We don't even go there anymore with the World of Outlaws. So um, that, that's kind of went by the wayside. But um, it, it's hard to say. Um, the National Open at Williams Grove is, is a really big payday, and it has a lot of history. And, man, that place is tough to, to win at. So it's probably, you know, the, the national open right now and they've done a great job of making it a, a bigger marquee event with a, with a decent payday. And I've been fortunate to win that a few times. So, um, you know, and then there's gold cup at Chico. Uh, there's Chico. so many, yeah. Chico's got the gold cup back. Brad's Brad promotes that and they run legendary the place. Yeah, it is. It's, um, it, it's one of my, it's not my favorite because I've been on fire there and it, it just seems like you go there. I, just can't get out of my own way. It's like, can't get out of sight on a dark night some days, but uh, that's just the way it goes at certain places. But we have been able to win the Gold Cup a couple times, so that was pretty neat. But um, but we're, we're building these new events. Will the million be again? I don't know. It, I think if it comes back, it's it can only build on what it had. But 
um, it's hard to say. There's we keep building building events all the time, and that competition is what's doing that. So I just hope that regardless uh, what happens, they just continue to have that competition. Donnie, we're at the end now, my friend, and uh, I like to end with something nice. Uh, so when we do these, we hope the young kids watch these and we hope that they learn a little bit. So this is going to catch you off guard. But uh, Greg Dethridge uh, is a dear friend of mine. My brother, Rusty Wallace, used to race his father down there at Pocola, Oklahoma. And I was a kid. We raced there every Saturday night. I'm from Missouri. So it was Springfield, Missouri on Friday nights, uh, Fort Smith, Arkansas, Saturday nights. But the story is this, and, and I got a new thing. It's called the story in the garage area. Okay, so so here's the story in the garage area right now. Uh, I'm not going to say his name because I don't know if he wants me to, but I'm over at Tri-City Speedway in Granite City, Illinois on Friday night. This last Friday night, good race car driver walks up to me. He said, I watched your conversation with Jonathan Davenport. He said, I went ahead and went and got some glasses. Man, I can see a lot better now. Donnie, there are drivers out there that need glasses and don't damn know it. Um, I mean, there is Kenny and, and I wore glasses for a on? long time when, and it's, it's not that your eyes are bad, but but the shades of the colors of dirt and this and that. And I've worn them for a long time. And and actually, as you spoke of Greg there, um, I just started wearing his optics. You know, he he, told me. Um, <laughs> uh, and JD's the one that told me. JD told me last fall at, at Charlotte there. He's like, man, you got to get – this guy does something with his lenses. It's like uh, high def. It's like wearing high definition. And, I, you know, JD and I were having – we both won Charlotte, so we were having a little fun in the hotel lobby and – um glasses so I, win I, races <laughs> well being able to see a little bit better than everyone else allows you to win races and and uh, the one thing that you can never get back is your eyesight so uh, you want to make sure you stay on top of it but yeah greg's uh, done a great job i i just got my new progressives here so when i when i work i have to wear the i have to wear stuff to see close or distort right. so i got my new progressives where they go down into a little bit of bifocal but um, I'm having a hard time getting used to them, but on the racetrack, I'm wearing the regular ones and they're pretty incredible. So if you have any questions about vision, you'd best be getting, getting you some glasses. Yeah. And, and this, I, I think the reason I bring it up is I've just seen so much going on now with, with Joey Logano, yourself, Jonathan Davenport, so many racers wearing glasses now and winning championships and races. So thank you for telling us, your story there, you know, the fans always want to know the things that are private. Uh, but listen, that's it, my friend. Uh, we could go another hour. Uh, Donnie, thank you. We'll do her so again, much. Kenny. Let's do her again. All right. Well, thank you so much, buddy. And remember, everybody, we are in podcast form. You can check us out on iTunes or Spotify. These big shows are always an hour long. Listen to it on the way to work. Shut it off and listen to it again on your way back home. Until then, Kenny, conversation keeps on rolling. Thank you, Kenny.